Hi, I'm Conan Tobias, the editor-in-chief and publisher of Tattle Creek. I'm here today with the author, critic, and indie publisher, Hal Becky. Hi, Hal. Booyaka. I have arrived. Indeed. Hal, I have to start by apologizing. You were supposed to be on the first Tattle Creek podcast, and didn't happen. And I might have slightly suggested that that was your fault, somehow. And turns out we had some email miscommunication that may have originated on my end. So I'm sorry, and I'm glad you're here now. You know, to see that first Tattle Creek podcast go out without me on it, it hurt. I'm going to have to say it really hurt. What I did was I bought, I, I boycotted that podcast. I deleted it. Mm-hmm. I pretended like it didn't exist. So now, welcome everybody to the actual. The first one was like a preview. You know, it's yep, like when there have they, been, been six others since then. Yeah, but those were also preview. Those were previews. Those were all just trying to figure out the right mode of production to capture the Halmas. So now it's starting. This is it. This is it. Let's this begin. This is the real beginning of the Taylor Creek podcast. One, two, three, go. Was there anything you had planned for that first podcast you don't want to waste and <sighs> say now? Well, I, you know, I mean, I was, I had a whole thing that I was going to do. I was going to tell some really long jokes. We can still do it. A frog walks into a bar, that kind of thing. Then I was going to, I was going to take off my pants uh, and, you know, things were just... It's a shame this is lost forever, but we're here now, and I guess that's the important thing. <laughs> we're going to have to go with something else now. I mean, because now I'm in, I'm more in like a book promotion mode, so I'm more serious. I'm buttoned down. I'm, I'm getting, you know, I'm getting it all straight-laced. Well, that's great, because I mean, on the, on the day we're recording this, it's October 21st, 2015, which is all good historians know is the day Marty McFly traveled into the future and back to the future. Back to the Future. Back to the Future Day. So in your new book, Trees on Mars, Our Obsession with the Future, just came out. It seemed like a good time to finally get you on the Tal Creek podcast. Per- perfect day for talk it. Talk about your book. Talk about the future. Talk about our the real future now that one of our most famous Hollywood futures is now in the past. Let's do that thing. You know, the, let's start with that whole Back to the Future thing. I, uh, you told me last week you have something to say about this. Oh you have man. a little bit about this. I have. I could talk, Go. I could talk for an hour just Go. on this inane subject. Let's do it. I wrote an article that came out coincidentally published today in Truth Dig. Uh, so uh, readers look for that. And basically I say that the, the whole Back to the Future day circles around this really bizarre nostalgia for a future that we somehow think should have existed but never came into being, even though there was no reason to ever imagine that it was going to be like what was envisioned in a lame 1980s movie uh, starring, you know, what is quite frankly a, a secondary, you know, B-level actor at best. Uh We'll agree so, to disagree on that. Sorry, part, but okay. Michael J. Fox. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, so, no, but that's you know that's irrelevant, really. Whether Michael J. Fox is a, uh, it, that, that's you know, a different podcast. It's a whole different yes. podcast. But this whole like perverse nostalgia for quote unquote the future and this this idea of what the future looks like. It basically we it's like we haven't shifted at all from this like 1940s, 1950s iconic vision, uh, Jetson's world where somehow uh, there's all these robots and, 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 you know, all these comforts and hoverboards and flying cars and instant food and we control the weather and all those things. Uh, And we have all that stuff, but we don't have any 
seemingly any social or environmental problems. And uh, somehow we all have jobs and nuclear families and everything is perfectly normal, even though there's no real sense of why we would need to do any work since there are robots doing everything. <laughs> it's just a bizarre fantasy that we can't, can't seem to get. It's like a cancer in the human mind. We can't get rid of this horrible... Uh, perverse vision and and unless we do get rid of it you know this is where we get into the whole trees on mars argument uh if unless we we somehow blow the cobwebs of this fantasy out of our brains we're we're going to keep going in the direction we're going i mean a lot of the people that have this nostalgia for a past future that you're talking about it's just people watching movies and stuff. Do you, do you feel it's actually really ingrained in the in, in important decision making that's being done out there? I mean, just having having fun with watching Back to the Future again is just a fun thing. It's not really affecting anything. But is is it a is it a bigger problem on a higher level? Oh, I think it absolutely is. I would you know since we're going to disagree about just about everything, let's uh, <laughs> let's disagree with that. Uh, you know, the reality is is that these narratives form the the core understanding of our ascent as human beings, the, the notion of progress, right? These are, these are narratives that seem innocent and silly, but they're just little, they're really just like, you know, bricks in the giant wall uh, on which we paint the mural of humanity as an ascendant species progressing toward a technological nirvana. Uh, you know, that's, that's where we say okay this is a, these these actually matter these things they're you know they're they're signposts for how we really think uh, and if people didn't really feel a kind of nostalgic letdown even a resentment to the current present as compared to the vision of the future we've been fed uh since since as early as the 1920s and even 19 uh, you know the early 20th century uh, if people really didn't feel that i think that we wouldn't be seeing so much hand wringing today and every major news outlet dropping the exact same story about Back to the Future. It's Back to the Future Day, the day that Marty came to 2015, and why don't we have these things? And then they throw in, but we do have some of these things, so we will get to the rest of it. Um, and when you talk about a nostalgia for the past, I think... People are sort of forcing a lot of the things from that movie to happen. There's people every couple of years, someone says, oh, we're close to a hoverboard, which isn't really anything we need or probably nobody really wants. They like the idea of it existing because it was in the movie, but no one's really clamoring for it and no one would probably use it. Yeah. What the hell would you do with it? Get up on it and break your neck? Like, yeah. I mean, how long would it take before there was some sort of citizens group and a class action lawsuit? You know, no one's ever releasing the hoverboard. Uh, the flying car, you know, that's just a, obviously a totally stupid idea. Um, most of the stuff in Back to the Future 2 is ridiculous. You know, Nike's running around saying they're going to release uh, uh, self-tying shoes. I mean, you know, seriously, like that's that will be very helpful. Uh, it will certainly put a chink in the armor of global warming uh, to have that at our disposal. Uh, you know, but but in all seriousness, the the fastest selling vehicle in the automotive uh, industry in the United States right now is the luxury SUV, uh, you know. So, 
in answer to that, the, one of the most futuristic, future-forward so-called tech companies in the world, Tesla Motors, which is run by uh, Elon Musk, who wants to put people and trees on Mars, uh, has released the Tesla luxury SUV. Um, so this this uh, this kind of idea that that we are progressing toward this amazing future, and this amazing future is actually sort of a a 1950s era of consumption only faster and better more virtualized and you know superior technologies enwrap us in a superior bubble of cushiony delight uh you know that's the, we are still going in that direction even though uh technology is you know very obviously failing us on an on on a, on its most important level I hadn't heard about the SUV, but you don't think some of the stuff that Tesla's doing helps with global warming or uh, saving no. resources, anything, anything at all? You, know, you don't feel there's any positive upside to Tesla's work? Well, you know, I'm not privy to the uh, you know the inner workings of the great Elon Musk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> SpaceX, his space company, is is you know a, 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 all they do is carry on the work of NASA, except now that now NASA has to rent them. Uh, so that's sort of embarrassing. Uh, putting people on Mars, that's that's also just, you know, very much in this 1950s mode of thinking. And it's sort of sad and embarrassing that our big ideas uh, to escape our failed present are futuristic plans to leave humanity behind, whether it's put the people on on Mars or uh, download them into robots or, you know, achieve singularity, achieve some way that we can live forever, come to the end of time altogether, uh, totally virtualized. Like all this is, you know, this is anti-human. It's anti-human rhetoric uh, and it's horrible and it's embarrassing. What is Tesla doing that's good? Getting back to your question, can I like to rant first? Before that's, that's I, totally fine. Before I answer a question, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, very little, very little. Uh, you know, the idea of the electric car is is incredibly stupid. Uh, what we need is, obviously, if we're going to forestall climate change, we need a complete reversal in how we approach our consumptive ethos. Uh, and number one in that is probably not probably is 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 you know absolutely fewer cars more mass transit, uh, you know, we should be cutting car trips to, I'd say 90% of the car trips we take today could be cut out uh, if if people wanted to. Uh, so, you know, if every single, if we snapped our fingers and every single person in the world drove a, uh, a complete electric powered Tesla vehicle tomorrow, uh, that wouldn't change one single thing. We need those transporters I've been waiting for from Star Trek. Yeah, you know it's 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 it's, it's outrageous. They are making the um, the tricorder. There's four or five different companies trying to come up with the tricorder, uh, and again we say to ourselves, "Well, that will be very special. I'll be able to use the tricorder while I'm on my hoverboard. Uh, you know, I'll scan it over me, see if I've got a slight cold. Uh, you know, I, it's just so stupid, and yet." Uh, Everyone takes these things very seriously, so it's like we live in this. It, it does. It is like we're living in a stupid m- movie, like Back to the Future Two. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that uh, tell us a bit about your book and how you approach this in your book. Assume, assume I'm someone who hasn't read your book. 
maybe give us a bit of a rundown. Yeah, you, you probably haven't read my book by the look of it. I, I bought your book. He has it. Do you it, really it, care that it, after it I looks, bought it, do you really care what happens to it? It looks so tremendously unopened. I read the introduction. <laughs> I read the introduction. All right, fair enough. I, I fair plan enough. to read your book, as I have all of your books. Uh, I know. Conan is a great supporter of my work, and I love him for it, and that's why I allow him to give out free copies of Tattle Creek at my events. You know, that's nice of me. That will never change in the future. (laughs) Trees on Mars, our obsession with the future, uh, essentially makes two arguments. One is that we as a uh, culture, as a society, North American society, is is obsessed with the idea of getting to the future first, uh, colonizing the future, owning the future, and uh, in the process of that obsession of telling that story that this is the most important thing we should be doing as human beings, uh, we are, and this is the second supposition in the book, we are, we are basically reordering society around this idea of future, of owning the future. And when I say reordering society, I mean the systems that make up our society. So I'm talking about education, government, health care, uh, even... Uh, employment, family, corporate structures, all these things are starting to be influenced by this new uh, quasi-religious notion that there is a future and we can get to it, and when we do get to it, we can own it. You talk about viewing the future as a finite resource. Yeah, I mean, exactly. You know, you hear these people all the time. Politicians are always saying this. Uh, this is very big. Uh, and we're always turning on our TVs. And they've got some some rich cat from, uh, you know, Blackberry or whoever uh, saying, we need more innovation. We are losing the innovation race. We have to get to the future first. And, you know, you sort of think, how can this be serious? How can anyone get to the future? Uh, obviously, it is it, the future is... Uh, is is a metaphor. The future doesn't actually exist. You know, <laughs> we don't know. For for any of us, there is not necessarily a future. Um, and so, you want to think of it metaphorically. You're inclined to think of this as a as a sort of philosophical conundrum. What is the future? How can we understand the future? But when you look into what's at, what what are the fundamental structures of our society and how they are addressing this this notion of the future, you see that they are no longer thinking about it metaphorically. Perhaps because we are now as a society. Um, too stupid to think of anything metaphorically. Uh, we have to virtualize and hologram it and make it real. Um, so there's now this idea that the future is an actual thing, a finite resource like oil or coal uh, that we have to sort of gather around as a society uh, and we've got to we've got to drag this stuff out of the earth uh, and put it in the bank. Um, you know, it's a tremendously bizarre idea. Now, everyone always says, of course, in answer to this, but haven't we always, you know, thought about the future? Haven't, haven't humans always, you know, That was actually my next uh, question. I know. I can, yes. I can, you can see it. Can, I can, you can tell. I can see it in your eyes. I know everything about you, Conan Tobias. <laughs> uh, some things that, I, you know, I can't, I can't share on the podcast. Um, but for the right amount of money. Again, different podcast. Listeners, viewers. Listeners. Listeners, whatever the hell you are, for the right amount of money. There's nothing I won't tell about Tattle Creek's leader. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> humanity, uh, are, you know, we are not change agents. We are not, we are not futurists. Uh, 
And this is, this is sort of one of the big things that I, I realized in the course of writing this book. Um, maybe I should say a little something first about, about how I write um, books uh, is, you know, I have ideas, but the ideas are almost more like impulses and feelings. Uh, they're, they're, they're sentiments. Um, and I don't actually know how I'm going to put it all together and, and how it's all going to make meaning when I write a book. Uh, so for me, a book is, is a journey of, of investigation where I take kind of a real visceral feeling I have inside me and I try to explore that feeling. And for a long time, I've had very visceral reactions to uh, technology, to social media, to a lot of the things that everyone runs around, um, you know, extolling and praising. And so that that's that's where I... I uh, that's sort of the initial impulse for writing this book. Um, now, getting back to this question, human beings, mm -hmm. <laughs> history. Uh, for most of the four and a half million e years that humanoids have wandered haplessly through the earth, uh, they, they did not have any sense of, of the future. There was only the present. Uh, the present was an eternal, endless cycle. It was a circle, right? Uh, when you imagine a, the life as a circle, you, you imagine that every day will be similar to the next. Uh, you will, of course, get old and die, but others at that same moment will be born and replace you. Uh, your technologies will not necessarily change except through the need to continue the circle. So, yes, you will make technological alterations. I'm not going to say advancements. Um, but you make those choices because you have eaten all the caribou and now there's nothing else to eat. So, okay, you got to start catching rabbits. You need a new, you know, the spear isn't going to do it anymore. So you come up with a, with a net uh, or a snare and, the, and, and you, you have advanced, quote unquote. Um, but you really haven't advanced. What you've done is come up with a new technology that allows you to, to maintain uh, doing exactly what you have always done. And that's really where, uh, where most of humanity has situated itself. Um, the goal of people throughout all time, uh, and this is a very big sweeping statement, but I think it is, is absolutely true, is to maintain stability, uh, to maintain exactly how you live, your culture, your society, for as long as possible. In other words, People don't like change. They don't seek out change. They are not disruptors. Uh, and we are not, by nature, uh, people who, who love uh, the future. Um, now, what we are are people who will do almost anything, embrace almost any technology uh, or so-called innovation in order to keep doing what we've always done. And this was sort of the big reveal for me when I was writing this book, because I kept, I kept running into this, uh, this wall, which was, why are we doing these things? <laughs> you know, why are we so enthusiastic about dumb technological ideas? You like know, what? Like what's an example? Facebook. Mm -hmm. Facebook is an example. I mean, it is an utterly pointless, horrible thing uh, that we spend hundreds of hours on. Uh, I think like, you know, 
80% of Canadians have a Facebook page. I mean, the other day, my father tried to add me to his Google Plus circle. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm just like... Is that is that not at least somewhat continuing to do what we've always done? Is it not replacing other types of correspondence in a way? Is it not just a new version of correspondence? Replacing the written letter or the phone call? Mm. No, not at all. It's a completely different thing. The Facebook is a is a is a broadcast. Uh, you know, it's a it's a look at me, I'm here. A letter is 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 like a conversation. A phone call is a conversation. It's one to one. Anytime you have one to many communication, you enter the world of mass media and pop culture, uh, and you be, you you enter the world of broadcasting and branding and all the facile, horrible things that come with that. Uh, you know, what is Facebook? Facebook is an ad delivery mechanism that instead of offering us original programming made by Facebook, it offers us original programming made by the users uh, in, into which it's, it cleverly sandwiches ads. Uh, so, you know, why are we on this thing? What do we get out of it? Uh, not very much. And so, you know, that's a great example of an incredibly stupid technology. Uh, I could go on for hours about stupid technologies. I know you could. <laughs> and any other number of topics. Those those I know who have read your books feel it's uh, a bleak view of the future. Clive seems very freaked out on the back cover here. Um, other, other solutions? Is there hope? There's not hope in the conventional sense. I mean, you know, like I said, for four and a half million years, we've been doing the same thing. We've been following the same pattern. And the pattern is basically uh, consume everything and then move on. Uh, and we move on either literally physically, finding a new place to live and eating everything all over again. Uh, or we move on through sort of technological ways, which is how we're now moving on. So, you know, we're like, well, we, you know, there's nowhere else for us to go. Uh, but we could, uh, you know, invent fertilizers and, you know, we could, we could invent synthetic fertilizer and blast the shit out of our crops and, and pesticides and do all that kind of stuff. Um, so, you know, there's nothing I'm going to say in this book or in our discussion here or in any other, you know, radio and interviews that I, that I will do about this book that is, that is going to have people say, Yes, yes, we should change. <laughs> you know, I, I think it's a very uh, optimistic view to think that human, human beings change uh, as a whole. I think individuals do change. I don't think the systems change and our sort of core survival uh, apparatus of consume and move on. That's never changed. So I'm not sure that we can change that. Uh, so in one, in, you know, in the answer to the big question, is there hope? The answer is kind of uh, no. Uh, <laughs> um, but on the other hand, uh, I, I come at it from two directions. You know, when I was writing the book, particularly those later chapters, uh, I said, well, God, you know, I, how can I end a book? Where's my where's the traditional nonfiction chapter that tells everybody that if we all just rally together against big banking, we can reform the banking system and you know so on and so forth. Um, there's no way you know, if we all just rally together against human nature, uh, we can um, we can reform human nature. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Uh, but I love humanity and I love this. I love this 
the the resilient stubbornness uh and i think that we need to learn to accept that we are in a period of 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 mass uh catastrophic uh destruction of our, our environment uh there's a lot of sadness there these are probably the beginning stages of the end of humanity which may take you know a, another 2000 years or 200,000 years but either way it's going to be sort of a blink in the eye of the cosmos and um and and there is other life either on the planet or out in the world and we have to accept that and just as we should accept our own deaths and the continuity of of the wider universe we have to find a way to make peace with with the consumptive impulse and how it has brought us to this this point and is probably going to uh, you know we're going to we're going to take that luxury tesla suv all electric vehicle with delorean style wing like doors and we're going to drive that bad boy off the cliff that sounds like the perfect book to read for the Halloween season. It's terrifying. <laughs> terrifying. Terrifying. <laughs> yes. um, totally off topic. Are you going to read something for us today? No, no, no. I don't think You've I will. You've decided against reading something? I, I'm not going to read. You want to come back for another podcast? I'll come or? back for another. You We'd know, love to have you back uh, for another podcast. I'm going to have a, a novel out next year, uh, in a year, and uh, Tattle Creek has already run a little small section of that. Um, called, I believe it was called Here We Go, Charlie. Yes. Uh, beautiful little excerpt from the book, if I do say so myself. Which is, which is available <laughs> on TattleCreekMag.com if anybody wants to check it out Booyaka. in advance. Give that bad boy a read. All right. Uh, so when it, when that comes around, you know, I don't like to read from my nonfiction books. They're, uh, they're not really meant for reading out loud. Well, I'm going to go home and read it right now. Right, and, as, as, and, and, you know, like maybe I'll hire you to do the, uh, the audio version. Sure, that'd be great. And hmm. then the world ended. Thanks for finally being on the podcast, Hal. Hal Nizbecki's book is Trees on Mars, Our Obsession with the Future. It's available from Seven Story Press. Is that right? Seven Stories Press. Seven Stories Press. It's out now. Thanks again, Hal. We'll see you in a future podcast, I guess. In the future. Yes.